Welcome to Middle-Aged Wisdom. I'm Nancy, and I'm a dentist. I'm Dave, and I'm an engineer. We're here to share what we've learned about life, business, and leadership. Join us as we try to figure it all out. What it takes to live our best lives. Welcome to episode 25 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. Happy 2021, everyone. It is the new year. It's the new beginning for everyone. And we wanted to start out with some health and wellness information for all of you. We know that you're going to be bombarded with different things on your Facebook feed and your Instagram feed and Twitter and all the things that you look at about how to be the best you in 2021, how to be the healthiest, how to be the fittest for only $99.99. (laughs) You can be the healthiest and the fittest you can be. We are going to talk about things that are simple, easy, cheap to do that work, a little bit of history about them, and it has nothing to do with using your credit card. Generally not. You might need to spend a little money, but not much. Just a little. Yeah. And only some of the things. And we're going to focus on one aspect of health and wellness. And what aspect is that? It is breathing correctly. Breathing air. A lot of you are wondering why breathing is so important. It's not only important for our sleep, our wellness, our general health, and it's also important for our mind, our clarity, It's also important for physical fitness. It's crazy how it all works out, but when you breathe properly, you can actually be more fit. It's one of those things too where I think it's easy for people to take for granted or sort of have some different things going on physically or with your health that are maybe not as good as you'd like them to be and and maybe be tempted to attribute them to something else. And it's one of those things where as we've gotten into middle age, Certain things that just sort of worked really easy easy for us when we were younger, not as much when we get to the age we're at for, for various reasons. And this is just our mantra. When we have set out to do this podcast and all of our posts and such, we say we are seekers of living a better life. And that is what we are all about, especially for this episode. Yeah, and this, this issue came to, head, to a head for me most recently because of really bad sleep issues. Uh, for Nancy, it was really more about from continuing education, you know, cause you're a dentist right. and in, you do a lot of continuing education. One thing you went and learned a bunch about mm-hmm. was about breathing. About breathing. Right. How to do it properly and why it matters. Another thing that I want to mention before we move forward is you don't know what you don't know. Right. A lot of times people will chalk it up to, I have a family history of high blood pressure. That's why I have high blood pressure. Or I have a family history of obesity, and that's why I'm a little overweight. And oftentimes, genetics plays a big part in a lot of this stuff, but not all of it. And we actually have way more control than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. Or like, I'm just a snorer. Like, people are resigned to things like their inevitabilities, but right. they don't, they don't have to be. So before we continue, I want to ask you all two questions and just obviously we don't know the answer to any of them and I'm not going to be judgmental, but it's going to play a part in the rest of what we're going to say. So the two questions are this. Number one, right now, as you're sitting listening to this or running or standing or whatever you're doing, is your mouth open or closed? 
And number two, where is your tongue? I know, crazy question, but is your tongue on the roof of your mouth? Is it hanging out just in the middle or is it laying low on the floor of the mouth? Okay, so now we're gonna go into why the answers to those two questions matters. First of all, before we say any of this, we are not your physician. Um, I'm a dentist. Dave is an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that we're saying is from research or classes or someone that we've heard this from that's reputable. And you should speak to your physician individually because all of this stuff that we're going to mention is not for everyone. Yeah. And I guess what I can offer here is I can offer some of the things that I've tried that I've found helpful personally, anecdotally. Right. right. So that's what I can offer. Right. Yeah. I'm not debunking Dave in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yes, this is not my area of expertise. You I'm are just correct. saying he, he, he is he is a uh, a subject of mine, I guess we can say. Okay, so the first thing that matters when we're talking about breathing and health is where you live. So if you live in an area that has a ton of green trees, and when we were in Alaska, their air quality was amazing. Oh, best sleep of our life when we were in Alaska. Oh right, my gosh. The, because it matters. The oxygen. Oh, man. <laughs> right. And as we know, as humans, we breathe in oxygen and we expel carbon dioxide and plants and trees do the opposite. They give us oxygen and they take in the carbon dioxide. So it's almost like we need each other. But when we live in a very populated city, such as New York or Los Angeles or London or um, anywhere over overseas, that would be the capital cities. And we're in Denver, big enough. In Denver, yeah. right? All those areas are congested with buildings and a lot of those trees, all that good air has been taken away from us. And so the air quality sometimes suffers in those highly populated areas. And you can actually look, a uh, typical like weather app on your phone will probably have, tell you air quality index as a part of it. And I can say in Denver, there have been, it doesn't happen a lot, but there might be five or 10 days a year where when I look at the weather, front and center it says stay indoors really bad air quality today. unhealthy yeah for sensitive groups i think yep yeah and interestingly enough i i read about a, a an instance and i think this was in a foreign city i can't remember where exactly but where there was a, a little girl who had severe asthma who sadly passed away but they attributed her passing away to the poor air quality of the city she lived in so in, put another way she if she lived in a place with really, really good air quality, she would be an asthmatic who's alive instead of an asthmatic who's dead. Right. And that, probably a lot that, of other things playing parts, but well, maybe, but but still, like they actually the coroner they actually attributed that there was like the first of its kind apparently in the world, and that's why it matters. That's why it made the news was they attributed it to that, and that's a big deal. So yeah, where you where you live, and we can't all just get up and move, but it's something to. I don't know, take a look at it and see, you know, if you have some sort of issues that could be related to breathing that are then leading to other issues, could it be because of the air quality of where you live? True. Yeah. The other thing in a home, if you do live in an area like those, or just in general, air purifiers are great. So we have a, a lot of them. Uh, how many would you say we <laughs> at, have? I don't know, like five, I think. <laughs> I don't even know. Like we pretty much have an air purifier for any room of the house where we're in a lot. So right. the bedrooms where we sleep and like the living room, dining, right. kitchen areas. Yeah. Right. And I've researched them quite a bit. There aren't terrible ones out there, but there are ones that need more maintenance. And so that's something to look for if you're thinking about purchasing one is the maintenance is how much do the 
filters cost. That's one thing that you would have to maintain. But oftentimes the filters in themselves have different types of filters within the the filter section like what they'll actually filter out of the air right and you have to clean those so depending upon what brand you have they have to be cleaned at different intervals and some of them are really tedious to clean mm -hmm. so that's just something to know the dysons we have several of those and those are a little bit pricier and the filters a little bit pricier but the ease of use is so easy you pop out the filter pop a new one in and you're done they also have an app on your phone which you can actually see what the what readings for air quality is actually taking in real time right. and we have we have one we gave nancy's parents so we can actually <laughs> spy kind of on funny. their air quality in their house <laughs> no but sometimes if i increase the air in the room if i know that they're in that room i'll pump it up to 10 so there's like a blast of air and i'll be like i'm there <laughs> <laughs> And they're in a totally different part of the country. It's so creepy. It's so creepy that it does that, but it works. But the other thing that, how I know that they actually work pretty good is if I'm cooking something and it's letting off a little bit of smoke, those things will kick on because they are, they are watching. But then the other funny thing that'll happen is if, if somebody sneezes, you know, Nance is a big germaphobe. If, if somebody, if she sneezes. This is even before COVID. Yeah. yeah well, but it's even worse now. No. If, she, if she sneezes, she will like search for Lysol and then spray Lysol in the area where she sneezed. <laughs> And then within about three to five seconds, the air purifier will kick on and just start going like crazy. And I'm like, okay, great. We don't have to breathe in your sneeze, but we, now we have to breathe in Lysol. Right, right. And the purifier doesn't like it. And yeah, it knows. It knows for sure. Um, some other brands are Medify. We had those for the office. Those have been working really well. Easy to clean, easy to use, new filters. IQ Air is another really popular one. They make a car version. So during COVID, when we did see my family and we were in the same car and such, I purchased one of the car ones. So they have different types for, for that as well. Okay. So even in spite of having really good air quality purifiers around the house, there could still be something in the air that's affecting you that you maybe don't even realize. So for Nance, Cece, and I, none of us have ever been diagnosed with allergies, like of having any sort of significant allergies. Mm -hmm. But one thing I noticed for sure with my own sleep, I was having sleep issues and you know, Nance went continuing it about breathing and things like that. And she really wanted as a starting point to make sure I was breathing adequately through my nose because that could have been playing into my sleep issues. And so one thing I found was in the mornings, I would be a little bit stuffy pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. And even in spite of having air purifiers and all that. And so one thing I experimented with were over-the-counter allergy medications. And ended up finding one and I found one that I actually split the pill. So I only take like a half of an adult dose because I found that if I take an adult dose, it makes me kind of groggy in the morning. Which is actually a child's dose. So it's very, very small. A half yeah. a pill is a child's dose. Yeah. So I take a child's dose of that. And that's that's just enough to like, make my nose clear in the by the time I get into the morning. Right. Because if you think about breathing all night and if you eventually can't breathe through your nose, then, then that's going to impact your sleep. Right. And then besides sort of minor allergy issues, there also can be anatomical issues that are playing into all this. When we are born, we are obviously we're very malleable. And it starts, all this breathing stuff starts when you are an infant. So whether you were breastfed by your mom or whether you were bottle fed matters in the development of your mouth. So when you're breastfed, it takes a lot of exertion on the baby's part in order to get the milk out. In a bottle, the bottle lays on the floor of the mouth, pushes the tongue down, which is hint, you know, what we talked about before with the tongue placement. I'll explain that further in just a moment. 
And when the bottle pushes the tongue down, it's very a lazy movement. So you don't need much effort to get that milk out. It just naturally comes out, baby swallows, but the baby learns to swallow with the tongue on the floor of the mouth. During breastfeeding, the baby learns to swallow with the tongue to the roof of the mouth because it needs to push in order to get the milk out. So number one thing that happens, the swallow develops, the tongue placement develops, and the shape of the mouth develops on day one of baby's life. Part of this matters is because if you think about the roof of your mouth, which is your palate, so if you stick your thumb in your mouth like you're sucking your thumb, you feel the roof of your mouth, that's the bottom of your nasal cavity up above. Right. So as you breathe air as an infant, you stimulate that bone to fall and to make the palate shape. And so if baby starts to mouth breathe from day one and starts to not have the closure, a lot of moms even in old times would actually just gently press the baby's lips sealed after a feeding in order to induce that lip seal on the baby. If that doesn't happen and baby starts to mouth breathe constantly, the roof of the mouth stays where it is and the floor of the nasal cavity doesn't fall. And so now the volume of air in the nose that it has is smaller if you have that vaulted palate. So your actual nostrils are smaller, more constricted than otherwise. So if you can't breathe as well, get enough air through your nose, you're gonna end up breathing through your mouth. Exactly. So fast forward in life, person continues to mouth breathe or at least have open mouth posture, you'll notice that that person has more of an ovular face. So an oval face typically will have teeth that are very V-shaped in in a size. So when you look at them, you may only see the front four teeth when they smile. The back teeth will go directly back in a V instead of a U. So like an opposite of this, and I always think of Julia Roberts. Right. She has like, so, and you'll see a lot of beautiful people in Hollywood when they smile. You can see so many teeth when they smile, and Julia Roberts is like the poster child for this, because I think you can see all the way to her back teeth she when she smiles. She was probably breastfed for like three years. Yeah, very broad palate, and I'm sure she sleeps like a baby. Right. She sleeps really great. Right, so really broad palate, and you'll see the shape of the face change. Okay, that's how it matters in adults. Now, why does it matter for breathing in general or for sleep? Like for your through your nose versus through your mouth, right? Because I talked about earlier, I couldn't breathe through my nose that well, and it led to sleep issues. Right. How does that happen? So when you breathe through your nose, it's much more efficient oxygen. So the nose is very, very powerful. It's so interesting because when you breathe through your nose, it's warming the air, but it's also detoxifying the air and it's purifying the air that comes into the rest of your body. It also has an increased amount of oxygen that can get to the cells. And is this because of all the vasculature that's in your nose? Is that part of it? Because there's just such dense vasculature there? So much so, yes. Mm -hmm. That's why, I mean, nosebleeds are so common. Is there any other place in your body where you spontaneously bleed? So easily, yeah. Right, (laughs) like no, like yes, your nose is very, very vascular. So in saying that, now your nose is very vascular and you have all of this access to the rest of your body through your nose. And it also has another gas that's transformed called nitric oxide. We said this in one of our Instagram videos that we did. And nitric oxide is a natural vasodilator. So that allows your body to actually, if your vessels are dilated, you don't need as much blood pressure to get the blood to the rest of your body. So nitric oxide gets created when air comes into your nose. Only. But not when it comes into your mouth. Exactly. So your mouth, just mouth breathing, there's just much less vasculature. It basically goes from your mouth straight to your lungs versus 
right. getting to enter your body through the nose, then to the lungs and everything else. Right. Yeah. And so think about that as far as irritants and bacteria and sickness and illness goes. Mouth breathers do naturally have a higher tendency to get sick. They also have a higher tendency to have high blood pressure later in life. So breathing through your nose, it affects your sleep. It affects your entire overall well-being. So like a focus for me to be able to sleep better right. has been trying to be able to sleep, breathe through my nose while sleeping way better. Before we get into how to get better nose breathing, we want to talk about something that is also important in this situation as far as sleep goes. When we breathe through our nose, it initiates the parasympathetic nervous system. Big word, I know. Parasympathetic, though, is our rest and digest system. So it's like your nerve, central nervous system is in a calm and relaxed state. Right. Able to repair organs and your brain, refresh your brain, all those things that are supposed to happen. Contrary, the sympathetic is your fight or flight system. So when you're really anxious or nervous about something and your heart starts to beat really fast and you're in your survival mode, that's why your body's trying to keep you alive. And it will do all these sorts of interesting things to keep you breathing and to keep you alive. At nighttime, if you're in your sympathetic the whole time, that's not good, right? Because now we're not repairing our body. We're not giving it the rest and digest. We're not digesting our food. We're not pro processing it properly. We aren't refueling our brain and letting it calm down, ready for the next day. We're constantly trying to just stay alive. Yeah. And think about trying to sleep peacefully if you're just keyed up right. all night. And I'll hear friends or family members who talked about not getting that great of sleep and they'll often say something like, oh, my mind was just really busy and it woke me up. Right. You know? And that doesn't really happen. What happens is your body woke you up because you were in your fight or flight nervous system and it told you, hey, you're not breathing. I want you to turn on your side. And then you woke up and then you started thinking about something. And I know exactly how that feels. It's like you wake up and it's two or three in the morning and you are really awake. Right. And that is a very sure sign that there's something going on with your ability to breathe, that your body went into its sympathetic mode, mm -hmm. that, oh man, alarm bells are ringing a little bit, I need to be on edge, and then you wake up and you have trouble. Like, man, it can take me two hours to fall asleep if I wake up that way. Right. It's an awful way. And that, but that's actually what's happening. So if that happens to you, it's something to look into and to talk about with your physician. And it could be because you're mouth breathing all night instead of through your nose. Is that right? It can be. I mean, there's other things that I don't want to get into. I want to try to make this as simple as possible. But breathing through your nose is one way to help get as much oxygen to your brain as possible and gives you the best odds of reaching that parasympathetic system. So ways to breathe a little easier and a little better. One is you have to clear the nose, right? So um, we've done saline rinses, we've done nasal washes. One of my favorites is the nasal pure, and I like it because it actually washes the back of your throat as well. Gross, yep, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I do it in the shower and you stand upright and you basically have it, there's instructions and in, so I'm not gonna go through that, but it goes up your nose, out the other side, and it clears your nasal cavity, your sinuses, and the back of your throat. And it is hilarious when Nancy does this because she'll be in the shower and she'll start dry heaving every, <laughs> every few seconds. <laughs> she'll be like, Bop. I'm like, this is, this is for the betterment of my body. I'm doing this. It's worth it. <laughs> and I just start laughing from the other room because it is hilarious because I know she's doing it. But it that's a that's a nasal, like a saline nasal rinse, a certain type of bottle 
and delivery system for that. Right, but that's yeah. helpful. Yeah. Uh, I'll use like an X-Clear spray that's like a nasal saline spray. Right before I go to bed, I might do that just to make sure if there's any any sort of mucus up there that I want to make sure I, I blow my nose really good. I'll give myself a squirt in each nostril and then blow my nose really good before I go to bed just to make sure that anything that's been up there all day, I get out. Right. And it has xylitol in it as well, which is an antimicrobial and, and can help with that as well. The other thing that you don't want to do is Afrin. Um, Afrin is something that is used only on an emergency basis. So it should only be used for a day or two max. Your body will develop a dependence on it. And so all the tissues in the nose will actually only respond to that and they'll shrink really dramatically and it'll feel great. You'll feel like you'll, you never breathe better in your life. But then if you don't keep getting it in there, then it has a negative effect. So another thing you can do is try to keep the nasal cavity open at nighttime. Let's get those nostrils as open as possible. Right. Flare them out. Yeah. <laughs> so we've done all, all sorts of different things for that. Um, one is the strips. We've done the nasal strips before. Like breathe right, that sort of thing. So it's like the almost like the football player with the sticker on your the bridge of your nose type of thing. Right. And, if, and a lot of athletes do use them for that same reason, just to get as much oxygen through the nose as possible when they're running yeah. and exerting themselves a lot. So the nasal strips, we've done generic. I think they work the same. Hmm. as don't you i i haven't found them to be that helpful for me personally and maybe it's mm -hmm. the shape of my nose or maybe i'm just doing it wrong i don't know but i haven't found that those really help me that much okay yeah then there's also the cone dilator so there's actually a physical plastic cone that you put up each nostril and that helps to kind of keep the shape in the nostril kind mm -hmm. of flares it out a little bit right we haven't been a fan of the cones. I know a lot of people like them, but we don't. Yeah, and we've tried a few different kinds. We've tried the mute kind, which I, if I'm going to use one of those, I like the mute ones because they have a smaller, they're just physically smaller, mm -hmm. but do the trick so they're touching less of your nostril inside. Mm -hmm. We've also used some generic Amazon ones. And what we, what I found for sure, because once I start wearing them, I just wear them all the time. And after a few weeks, the inside of my nostrils get really raw and then they start getting irritated and almost inflamed. And then the nasal dilators, it, it almost, they almost kind of defeat, self-defeating in a way because now right. they've created inflammation in my nostril, even though they try to keep them open. Right. And just to differentiate, the cones actually look like a little cone and the mute is an internal dilator. It's like a ring. Like a spring. Yeah. yeah. It kind of springs your nostrils out from the inside. Mm -hmm. um, the one that we've liked the best most recently is called Intake. Mm-hmm. And that works as a magnet system. Yeah, you basically have these little stickers and you stick one on the outside of each nostril and they have like a tiny little disc in there that must be magnetic. And then you have a little clamp that goes on the outside of your nose and then the magnets stick to the clamp, magnetically stick to the clamp, and then that flares out your nostrils. And what I like about that is it's on the outside, it's not touching anything on the inside of your nostril, and it really works, but it's kind of funny how you look with your nostrils really flared open. Right. Cece will come in our room in the morning and say, like, your nose looks really big, Dad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll take that as a positive compliment. Okay. And so now that we have our nose open, how do we keep our mouth shut? Oh, dear. So we have talked about mouth taping on our other podcast as well. And it's a weird concept. We brought this into our dental practice maybe about five years ago, and people looked at us 
Like we were absolutely insane. And just to be clear, she is literally talking about taping your mouth shut, like as if somebody kidnapped you. Yes. But not not with duct tape. (laughs) Not with duct tape though. Right. There's medical tape out there. And thank goodness, a lot of reputable people have come forth and have talked more about this. And it is something that you should test just because if you do have complete congestion in your nose or you don't have patency in your nostrils, this is not a safe thing to do. So I am not saying to do this for everyone. This is only for specific groups of people. To test yourself while watching a TV show, you can put a little piece of medical tape either vertically or horizontally across your lips and watch a show for about an hour and just see if you are able to breathe calmly and effectively in order to make that work at nighttime. Then you'll feel more comfortable going to sleep with it as well. Another thing, if you're really uncomfortable with actually physically putting a piece of tape over your lips, which is very, very weird. You should see us when we go to sleep at night. Um, <laughs> but there's also something called myotape. And this whole method, everything we're talking about is something that falls under the subdivision of myofunctional therapy or OMT, oral myofunctional therapy. And in that division, there is a, a website that sells myofunctional therapy items and myotape is something that is promoted on there. It basically looks like a little sticker that has some tightness to it, some tension to it, and you put it on the outside of your lips. And so therefore you can talk, you can take a drink of water and you can have that access of your lips, but it trains your brain to keep them sealed because it, it does take an effort to open them at that point. It looks like a sticker goatee sort of. Must, they're mustache. adorable. They have yeah. like little designs on them and they make kids <laughs> ones. They're really cute. But, we will not be posting a picture of us wearing that, but it's because it's pretty funny looking. Well, you can just imagine some of the goofy <laughs> pictures we've posted up to this point. Yeah. So, okay. So now we talked about keeping the nose open, the lips sealed where we live. We talked about Western medicine. Now, now you probably know where we're going with the question that we asked you in the very beginning, whether you had your mouth open or closed and where your tongue is placed. So obviously we know now that open mouth breathing isn't the best for your health and trying to close it is really important. We also want to talk about just the tongue placement. So when we talk about growth, we talked about the infancy of a child and breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, how the tongue goes to the roof of the mouth. Did you know that when the tongue goes to the roof of the mouth and it stays there, it actually is a way to keep your teeth in alignment as well. So if your tongue splays on the bottom or across the tops of your bottom teeth, you are more likely to experience post-orthodontic relapse, meaning that crowding of the teeth, even though you had orthodontics in the past. So in order to keep your orthodontics in check and as straight as you had them the day that you got them the braces off, you want to keep that tongue to the roof of your mouth. So in other words, your tongue will chronically, a little bit all the time, push on those teeth and move them back around? Yeah, well, we have no muscle keeping them there. And so I call it lazy teeth. And they just kind of fall into the... Oh, so when the teeth is at the roof of the mouth, that helps keep them there. Keeps the muscle, hold them there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. In relation to the tongue on the roof of the mouth as well, if during the day you have the tongue on the roof of your mouth, and a good exercise to do is to get your tongue on the roof and kind of like massage the roof of your mouth back and forth, like forward and backward, forward and backward. If you're able to just get it to stay up there, that's good. But getting your tongue very, almost like an exercising your tongue kind of thing, massage the top, and it'll be something to do at a red light when you're in the car, when you're driving, 
do it anytime you can think about it. And the other thing to do is also chew gum. That I just wanted to throw that in there. Chewing gum also stimulates bone and stimulates the muscles of our of our mouth. And this relates to breathing how? Thank you. So when the tongue is on the roof of the mouth during the day, then at nighttime, if you train your brain to know that it should be there, it has less chance of falling to the back of the throat. When the tongue is just kind of hanging out on the bottom and hanging out wherever it thinks it should be, when you lie down, especially on your back, you're going to snore and your tongue is going to kind of clog up that airway and, and almost suffocate you. You're almost choking on your tongue. You. <laughs> and if that happens, you're more likely to wake up and toss and turn. So the more your brain recognizes like, hey, it's supposed to be here, the healthier your sleep is going to be. So to summarize this episode, some things we talked about, we talked about checking your air quality, potentially doing what you can to improve your indoor air quality. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's an air purifier, that sort of thing. Be on the lookout for even a subtle allergy that you may not even realize you have. That could be something that impacts your breathing and your sleep. Also be mindful of how you're breathing, how you're taking in that oxygen. Is it through your mouth? Is it through your nose? And where is your tongue at? Is it on the roof of your mouth? Is it on the floor? And we also want to throw in there that this episode was brought to light from a friend of mine who reminded me of this awesome book, Breath by James Nestor. He talks about so many of these things in so much more detail than we got into. I had read it when it first came out. Um, well, I listened to it on Audible. And then I recently reread it and it brought to light all the other things that I've, um, I'm so passionate about and I think is so important for overall health and wellness. And I know we focused on sleep in this episode, but there's all sorts of other chronic ailments where your ability to breathe effectively can play into it. And Nance is happy that she could talk for hours about this. So if hours. anybody, Dave if anybody cut me off, yeah, if anybody wants to ask her questions, more advice about this, feel free to shoot us a message or write a comment and we're happy to, to see if we can help. And we can address that personally, or we can do another episode if there is enough interest in doing another episode about something different or a different topic. Um, just let us know because as always, we are always concerned with helping all of you live your best life.